It's a new year. You got to start it out right, people. Make sure you're fueling the proper way. Get electrolytes without the junk. No sugar. You got to try it today. Drink LMNT. Drink Element. You get a sample pack, free sample pack. You pay $5 shipping. If you don't like this stuff, I will refund your money. I personally love it. Hundreds of Let's Runners love it. They've tried it out. No one has taken the refund offer. Try it out today. DrinkLMNT.com slash Let's Run. Take your running to the next level in 2022 with Element. And professional track is almost back in the biggest ways possible. The Milrose Games are a little more than three weeks away. January 29th, 2022. And these could be the greatest Milrose Games ever in 114 years. Okay, maybe that's a little hyperbole, but you decide for yourself. Shot put. Ryan Krauser versus Joe Kovacs. Women's 800. Athang Mo, the U.S. sensation, the superstar, Olympic gold medalist versus Ajay Wilson, who hasn't lost at the Armory since 2013. How about the return of Christian Coleman in the 60 meters, taking on Trayvon Brumell? And track talk, listeners, it may not be any better than the men's 3,000 meters for all of you. Cole Hawker headlines, you got five Olympians, eight NCAA champions, King Chaz, Drew Hunter, Connor Mance, Yuridigus, oh wait, Cooper Tier, like fifth billing, Joe Klecker, Luis Grijalva, Jordy Beamish, Eric Jenkins. Wow. Get your tickets now. Don't miss out. Students can get in the door for 30 bucks. The tickets go from there. How about $185 homestretch tailgate tickets? Four hours of wine, food, beer and the world's greatest track and field action. Link in the show notes, or go to milrosegames.org. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first Let's Run.com Track Talk podcast episode of 2022. Back at the start of January 2019, Weldon Johnson issued a challenge on this very show to record a podcast every week that year. And we kept that promise in 2019 and 2020 and 2021. And last year, we even bumped it up to twice a week with the Friday 15 our bonus podcast exclusively available to Let's Run.com Supporters Club members. Go to Let's Run.com slash subscribe to join. And now we begin a new year, 2022, our fourth year of the podcast, and we have plenty to talk about today. Emily Infeld has become the latest woman to leave the Bowman Track Club. The USA Cross Country Championships are this weekend in sunny San Diego. And we're going to make some bold predictions for the year in running as we look ahead to what 2022 has in store. I'm Jonathan Gold. I'm joined by my co-hosts and co-founders of Let's Run.com, Robert and Weldon Johnson. Gentlemen, great to see your faces again. Hope you all had a happy new year. Thrilled to be here, John. I had an awesome holiday. We even got some snow down here in the Maryland area. My son was thrilled to be sledding. I was going with him. 
So, but I'm pumped to be back in the office. First time in the office since the holidays. I love my son to death, but I think two weeks or 10 days or whatever it was is enough. I'm thrilled to be here. And I was just, it was a record year for Let's Run. So thank everyone for coming to the site, supporting the site. Thank you, government, for the stimulus checks. And I'm just, I was plotting today. I was, I was reading about this name, name, image, and likeness. Buddy, my source that's never wrong about running, he's really never wrong about anything. He just sent me a fascinating text about how the name, image, and likeness is totally changing college football. Texas A&M apparently has paid 25 to $30 million to get the number one recruiting class in the land in football. And it got me to thinking, should we spend some of Let's Run's money and create a powerhouse NCAA cross-country program. John, we can think about that later in the show today, too. Like, let's just make Akron the NCAA cross-country champions or Cornell or Dartmouth or... Didn't you already try this at Cornell? That was the problem. I couldn't get the kids to go there. But now that I can pay them to go there, should we pick... Should we pick... Uh... We can have the supporting club members vote. Like, which school should we make? Although if Uncle Phil starts spinning against us, it might be a problem. I would say go out to, like, Pepperdine. Go to... Call Winter, let's run, Uswell, let's run Intern. Great location out in Malibu. That would be a nice place to set up, set up training camp. Intern Carl might need to come back this spring. I know he's got a wider course load, but there's some interesting shit going on in social media right now. He was the one who gave us our social media update each week. I too, John, Robert, and pumped about 2022. Like you said, John, I guess it was three years ago we made the commitment to do a podcast each week. And I think next week we should make a new commitment to what we're going to do this year. I've started a thread. 2022 is here. What do you want to see on Let's Run this year? There's some great ideas in there. I will link to it in the show notes. A couple years ago, we got, or not a couple years ago, was it, yeah, probably two years ago, we got the great intro music by podcast listener andrew brick johnson if you need music for your movie or your podcast or your tv show he's the best obviously but i've seen some complaints about the podcast art now the problem is if you have apple Podcasts, you only see the cover art we actually have art for every single episode i do it it's kind of fun but on Apple, you only see the overall show art. People don't like it. So maybe we should update that. We could update it every show with that show's logo. But if anyone's got any ideas on that, we're open to them. Email me or submit your rendition. Weejo at letsrun.com. Why doesn't the ghost of Steve Jobs get his act together? I mean, this company's worth $3 trillion. And they can't have their art update every week like other podcast apps. Seems weird to me. And a little birdie also told me that we're going to be having some updates to the letsrun.com message board. Can the founders of this website confirm or deny these rumors? Yes, John. Contrary to popular opinion, the message board is, has not remained the same since circa 2001. But some new and improved changes will probably be going live next week. You can probably tag test them out. Supporters Club members have been able to test them out for about a month. We're going to open that up to everyone. So when that's available, we'll put a link in the show notes as well. Yeah, it's going to make the message more better in the sense of if you don't want to read politics stuff, you won't have to read it. Better moderation, etc. Speaking of which, talking about New Year's resolutions, 
I think this might be the year for the Let's Run.com book. I'm not willing to, to say we have to do it, but we probably should, John. My mother-in-law is a big fan of the Let's Run.com message board. She's a retired federal employee in her late 60s. And she loves the Let's Run message board. She says there's so much wisdom on there. And she says that we should write a book called The Wit and Wisdom of the Let's Run.com message board. And I'm just trying to think about the best way to do it. We could go day by day, like what we learn every day and kind of make it a calendar. Or we could have topics like marriage, finances, training, etc. She showed me a book. I think that they already have wit and wisdom books like in other topics. So it's pretty cool. She had really good ideas and really had thought about this. I said, all right, why don't you write it? And she said, oh, no, because she's retired now. She's like, I don't have the writing skills good enough to do it. I need Jonathan to write it for me. So, John, she's a big fan of your work, apparently. Thank you. Well, I appreciate the compliment. I think a book is a big undertaking. I'm not quite ready to commit to that yet. But, you know, I, I do agree that I there is some good stuff out there on the message board if you look for it. So we'll see. Uh, I'm sort of shocked by this. I think most people would make the joke like, oh, my God, my mother-in-law reads the forums. But... There is a lot of good stuff on there. I love forums, but having to moderate them, it's like the bane of my existence. Well, the thread she specifically mentioned was the thread of like, how to help my 37-year-old brother. The guy's brother's struggling, etc. I tried, I'd actually chimed in on that thread. There's also one on a 36-year-old brother. They have different problems, but... I need to see the 37-year-old thread, actually, because... The 36-year-old guy actually emailed me and he said, oh, there's this other great thread, so it inspired me. And I never saw the other one. So keep posting, everyone. Thank you for visiting the site. All the ads, people complaining about the volume of ads. We can reinvest some of that money into the company. And hey, always looking to improve the site. The ads pay for this podcast, people. The ads pay my salary. So, you know, they're, I think they're a necessary evil. But speaking of the message boards, I wasn't planning on leading the podcast with this, but I kind of want to because I was clicking on the boards before we started and I came across this thread titled Shakari Richardson will sue World Athletics. Well, will sue if World Athletics ever mentions her name again. And I was like, this, this is strange. What's this all about? So I click on the thread and it goes to an Instagram post. It's about Femke Boll, the Dutch 400 runner, saying that she will be running the World Indoor Championships this year. And the first comment on Instagram, this is a post in which her name is not mentioned at all, is Shikari Richardson saying, to whoever it concern, I will sue if you mention the name Shikari Richardson again. So I hope that she's not listening to this podcast because I've just mentioned her name about five times. But is there something we're missing here? She's picking a fight with World Athletics' Instagram account? I mean, can anyone explain what's going on here well from what you described was her name it doesn't sound like her name was even mentioned by world athletics so did they take it down already Th this specific post her name is not mentioned at all it's about Fenka Ball. there might have been a post or an instagram story where they had something about shakari richardson i'm not sure but i think a lot of people are kind of confused where this is where this vitriol is coming from Maybe it's in the comments, John. It's like the year move, the big social media post of 2021 on Let's Run.com that spawned the year move t-shirts. 
which quickly sold out. Sorry, people, you missed out. That was in the comments, that Carter Christman guy. It was like in the comment, you know, it was like a reply to a comment. So maybe somebody, maybe somebody just replied to that post and edited it. Shakari Richardson and she went all nuts. Yeah, I'm not an Instagram maestro. I thought she was replying directly to them. I don't think she would, I don't think it was a specific post, but maybe it was. I don't know. But this is going to be interesting because normally I've been to a few world championships. When they introduce the finalists for the 100 meters, they tend to say every athlete's name. So if she's saying world athletes can't say her name, could be an issue for her. I'm sure we'll have more on Shakari later. In the show, when we get to our 2022 Big Bowl predictions. Yes, Robert, I bet her name will come up. But for now, I would say the biggest news item of this week so far was Emily Infeld, 2015 World Championship medalist in the 10,000 meters. She announced that she has left the Bowman Track Club after nine years. And I don't think this is totally shocking. If you've been on the message boards in the last few months, a lot of people seem to predict this. We don't exactly know the all the whole reasoning behind this. She hasn't, you know, she's given a, a brief interview. She did have an Instagram post, but we don't know if her contract was up or if this is something that she decided to do. We don't know what her contract status is right now. Who's coaching her right now? There's still a lot of unanswered questions, but. I think the biggest thing that did come out is that she wasn't in a happy training situation. She told Kyle Moberg, quote, I honestly haven't been totally happy in this situation for a while and have lacked consistency in my training. I kept rationalizing that this system has worked for me in the past and if I could stay healthy at the right time, I could run really, really well. But just because this system has worked for me in the past doesn't mean it still works for me now. So... If you've been paying attention, I mean, Emily Infield hasn't been healthy the last few years until 2021. But it was weird. 2021 was her, her best season for quite some time. She ran a personal best of the 10,000, 3108. She ran 1454 for 5,000, which was her second fastest time ever. She's now 31 years old. So it is kind of interesting. I would have expected if you were going to leave, you'd leave after 2020 or 2019, not 2021 when she at least kind of started to get back close to a previous level. Okay, John. I know we say we don't know what's going on, and sure, she expresses some displeasure, which makes me want to hesitate a little bit, but I'll make you a bet. Ibway Enfield will not be running for Nike this year. My speculation is she got dropped. She's looking for a new sponsor. That's usually how this works. And why would she leave after 2021? Because they... A lot of the contracts go through the Olympic year, which, you know, got ex- some of them got extended with the Olympics being in 2021. So to me, that's the most logical thing. She may have been ha- unhappy with the training, but it's easier to say that once you quit being paid by your former employer. But it's also possible when she was, even if her contract is up, and 2021 would be a double reason for it to be up because while they often end in the Olympic years, a lot of them might have been extended just for 21 because that was supposed to be the original Eugene year. So it's possible when she was thinking about redoing her new contract, she no longer wanted to be with the Bowerman Track Club. That's true. I could be wrong. I usually don't try to make the bold predictions, but I feel like 80% of the time, that's what happens. And, you know, it's a new year. You got to put yourself out there. Don't want to play it too cautious. Got to be a little more like Rojo in 2022. Well, we may or may not find out what actually happened 
in the weeks and months to come. We did reach out to Enfield, try to get a statement from her, but did not get a reply. So that is one thing, actually, that, that sort of is interesting about the media. People sometimes will wonder why people are speculating. I'm like, well, you're a professional athlete, and if you don't tell people what's happening, it's just natural for the fans to speculate. Nothing wrong with it, but just don't get mad. Like, somebody emailed me something about on the message board. I'm totally unrelated to this. They mentioned something on a podcast, and then we're mad that people were talking about it on the, on the message board. I'm like, well, why'd you mention it on the podcast if you didn't want people to be discussing this topic? Anyways. Well, I think she has said she's going to share more news to come. I think she's going to, she sounds like she's working with a new coach and that news is going to come out soon. But what I find interesting about this is sort of some of the comments she did make, at least to, you know, to Kyle Merber and then in her Instagram post about why she was leaving, because it was reminiscent to me of what Marielle Hall said back when she left earlier this year, both similar kinds of athletes, both 10K specialists. And this is what Marielle Hall told Runners World at the time. She said, it did kind of feel like they weren't quite sure to help. And they, she's referring to the Bowman coaching stuff. They're not really plan B for people. There's plan A. There are not many ways they were offering us as alternatives to what the program was. That makes it difficult for anyone. And I think it kind of gets into, it's interesting to me about Bowman Track Club because they've clearly had a lot of success and that success is built on hard workouts, you know, high intensity, really getting after it. And if you can hang on and stuff and stay healthy, you're going to get amazing results. And Mario Hull and Emily Infeld both did have amazing results when they were healthy. But as you saw the last few years, Mario Hull wasn't having the same kind of results. And it didn't sound like, you know, it's basically like from what she's saying, she was still expected to kind of do the workouts and training as if she was still crushing it when she wasn't. And when she wasn't able to hit those workouts with the fitter women in the group, there wasn't really a way for her to respond. And it kind of sounds like the same thing is kind of happening with Emily Infeld, that she wasn't able to stay healthy for a long time. And even though last year when she was stay healthy, she just kind of wants to change. And it just, I guess it kind of suggests to me that Jerry Schumacher's training is really, really effective if you can stay healthy. But there's also a lot of athletes who it's not the best fit for. If you look at the people who have left, this past year, it's Infeld, Marielle Hall, Sinclair Johnson, Gwen Jorgensen, Kate Grace, Colin Quigley. There's a, there's a few different reasons in there, but certainly between Infeld and Colin Quigley, neither of them could stay healthy. I think Kate, Kate Grace and Sinclair Johnson are a little different cases, but it was just sort of interesting what Infeld had to say about Bauman's training. I don't like this narrative of people trying to make a big deal about, quote-unquote, all these women leaving the Bauman. What's going on? Jerry's my boy. I always will defend Bowerman. He's a very good coach. I don't see people adding in that Andrea Sakafian, I don't even know how to say her name, Lucia Stafford of Canada joined the group. On the women's side, we're only talking about women here. But when I look at that list, actually, and I printed out in my paper right here, I have the entire Bowerman professional lead roster here, male and female. And this doesn't surprise me at all. Does anybody know how old Miss Infield is? Have we already said it? She's 31. You are correct. And I don't know. I mean, to me, Nike doesn't have very many people. They don't keep many people around on the backside of their career. When they go to the back nine, 
they go somewhere else. Let's look at what do these people have in common. Emily Enfield, 31, almost certainly on the backside of her career, I'd say. Although I guess we could see what she does in the marathon. Mariel Hall, 29, same thing. Gwen Jorgensen, she was lucky to get in the Bowman in the first place. She's 35. Kate Grace, 33. Colleen Quigley, 29. The only young person that left was Sinclair Johnson. And I would argue that they've never, they're a strength based program. I'm sort of more an 815 runner. Sinclair and, and Kate Grace joining the group. They try it, see if it works out, but it just might be too much volume for you. So I don't know. Does anyone remember what happened when Leo Manzano, 2012, was it? I guess, wow, if you're in college now, you probably don't remember what happened in 2012. That was the year he won the Olympic silver medal. Is that right, John? That's right. He was 28 years of age. What happened? He got dropped by Nike. Now, when they say dropped by Nike, maybe just Nike didn't want to pay him what he thought he was worth. He went the entire 2013 without a sponsor before started, before signing in 2014 with Hoka. So Nike thought, you've reached the pinnacle of your career. We don't want to keep paying you this money. This happened with Allison Felix, a, a, a sort of a, a lot of people. Well, they're still at a pretty good level. Their best days are behind them, and they don't understand that their best salaries are probably behind them too. So that's the way I see it. I can't believe Manzano went the whole 2013 year without a contract. That's crazy. After winning America's first Olympic medal since when, John, in the 15? I, that's a good question, actually. When was the last time before? Was it Jim Ryan? Was it really that long, Jim Ryan, in 1968? It had to have been. I mean, Steve Scott got like some world, a world medal, but that doesn't count. And Centro had a world medal before that too, right? Or was it after? Before? No, Centro got the bronze the year before in Daegu. Yeah. But in terms of Olympic 1500 meter medals... It was Jim Ryan in 68, and then, yeah, Manzano was the next one. But back to this Enfield thing, while there's been some people in recent years, you know, having careers into their 40s or near 40s, like Bernard Lagarde or Nick Willis or Abdi Abdurrahman, hell, he's, he's almost 50. And th that wasn't the norm. People used to sort of compete to their late 20s and then move on with their lives. And let's, you know, it's not like these people that, I mean, Sinclair Johnson, yes, bright future, I would think, in front of her. But let's remember who's else is still in this group. Uh, is Enfield as good as Elise Cranny now? 25. Vanessa Frazier, 26. Gabrielle Debu Stafford, 26. Carisha Schweizer, 25. Lucia Stafford, 23. Courtney Fryricks, 28. They're just much younger probably equally as talented, you know, and, and that's the way it goes. So it's kind of like they don't have an unlimited budget. <laughs> you know, do you want to sponsor someone whose best days are ahead of them or someone whose best days are probably behind them? And it's interesting. If you actually look at the men's roster, these are the only people on the roster over the age of 30. Mohamed, would you say he's worthy of a contract? He just won an Olympic medal. He's 31. Matthew Sintowitz, he's an Olympic champion. He's 32. Evan Jager, how many damn medals has he won? He's 32. Lopez Lamont, now this is the one that's U.S. flag bearer, multi-time Olympian. To be honest, except for the PR, I don't know why he's still on the roster. He's 37. Well, I mean, 
2019, he won the 5K and 10K at USA's. I know that's now three years ago, but, you know, I think he would have been a serious threat to make the Olympic team last year had he been healthy. And I guess you can say the same thing about Infeld, but. And then, according to the website, Chris Derrick's still on there. I don't know how that's possible. I love Chris. He's super smart. I always feel like maybe he's becoming the next assistant coach or going to be working in the corporate at Nike because he's so bright. But imagine if Robert could have paid people at Cornell. You would have had Chris Derrick, Steve Magnus, and Matt Withrow. Very well could have. I remember talking to Derrick on the phone. And before the conversation was up, I said, you're not going to come here. He said, why not? I said, I can just look at the finances and stuff. You're going to end up at Stanford. I was right. Although Chris did once tell me, he's like, yeah, I remember you talking all how you were obsessed about being the best in the Ivy League. He's like, I wanted to be the best in the country. Well, I, so to close the book here on Infeld, I, I'm interested to see what she can do on the roads. I mean, she's running U.S. Cross this weekend, and I don't think she's going to be a factor there. But she just ran 3108 in the 10K last year. She ran 1454 in the 5K. Those are pretty good marks. You know, we know she's talented. You know, I don't know how she'll take to the marathon. It's pretty amazing to me that somebody who ran 30, whose PBs are 3108 and 1454 as a medal in today's era. But I guess that was back in 2015. It was the product of a very specific set of circumstances. And I'll give full credit to Emily Infeld for capitalizing on them. But you had the following things. It was a watered down field. It was a slow race in a hot Beijing. And then Molly Huddle led up at the line and let Infeld plow through. So all of those things had to happen for her to medal. Now, she ran a hell of a race and closed really hard, but that's probably the last time in the 10K we're going to see someone on that level medal again. You know, pretty much since then, it's all been like just global studs, right? So I'm curious to see what her training setup's going to be, how running outside the Bowman system, how the training will work for her. Maybe it'll keep her healthier. Who knows? But... That's that's on the biggest news item, I would say, from the week. It's also interesting how this works, though, and what gets intrigued, because she's maybe... Robert, name the names again. Like, the sixth fastest woman in the group, currently. Well, Gabrielle DeBruce Stafford's faster. At least Cranny's faster. Vanessa Frazier's faster. Courtney Fryricks. Is she got a... I don't know who's got a better 5,000 PR there, but she's obviously... Carissa Schweizer. Yes, that gets you to six. But maybe it's like, you know, college recruiting, that sort of stuff. Like NFL, you know, football recruiting. People are into who goes where, that sort of stuff. And there's nothing to talk about first week of January. Totally. That's exactly what it is. There's always people like, oh, what's going to happen next? They want to know the backstory. They want to know where they're going. Like, it's, that's, it's cold news. I guess the one other news item that broke since up past podcast was there were a couple of world records on the road in the 5k we addressed them briefly in the friday 15 this was like a, fr- a friday evening news friday evening no- news dump basically because they were broken on new year's eve but we should probably give a shout out to bear who aragawe and who tay who set the world records on Friday for the road 5k. 
Yeah, the times are 1419 and 1249. And I actually was very impressed by Aragawe, John. And we're going to be coming out with the Let's Run.com 2021 World and U.S. rankings soon. And one of the changes I've made was I moved Aragawe. You had him like number seven or eight in the world. Now, he ran the 10,000 at the Olympics, right? And was fourth. Correct. But he won the Diamond League final in the 5,000. And then on the roads, he's run 1249 and 1251. So I'm going to vault him and use my executive privilege here to number three ahead of Paul Chalimo. This guy needs to be rewarded for running the whole season. Chalimo begged out of the season after, after pre. So I, was, I wasn't really going to give him credit. I didn't know we were counting road races in the world rankings. It's a 5,000-meter race. Why shouldn't we? Guy goes out and sets a world record. Is good for the sport. Props to him. Props to him. That's why world rankings, I mean, they can't come out to the year's over, right? I mean, this race was at what time on New Year's Eve? I'm pretty sure it was the evening in Barcelona where the race was run because I see there's sort of, it, the, it's dark in the background shots of them crossing the finish line. So they really snuck it in under the wire. Actually, there's one other news item we haven't addressed. Because we can't address it. It's Nick Willis's Midnight Mile. This was supposed to be a big, cool gala with people coming to the armory as Nick Willis tried to break four for the 20th year in a row. He ran this race. No one was there. And I can't believe the secret has held. It's now January 5th. And no one knows whether he did it or not apart from a couple people and they haven't told anyone. So apparently Tracksmith's coming out some short documentary soon, but... No one knows whether Nick Willis actually broke four on New Year's Eve or not. That's not true. I know. Right on the what? Center. Yeah. Right on the Let's Run message board, he didn't break four. So. Okay, who told you on the message board? Nick Willis or just some random guy? The message board is never wrong. He didn't break four. And look, I love Nick. And I love Matt Taylor of Tracksmith as well. He was one of Walden's college teammates at Yale. Two of my favorite people in running, but come on, guys. You could have at least streamed it live and then done your documentary for the masses. You could have streamed it live for four minutes and then deleted it. And then still the doc- documentary a few days later. But I'm going to believe the much run message boards that he did not break it, but he has plenty of time to break it this year. Well, I have plenty of opportunities, but he's getting older with every passing second. You know, Nick is now... Is he 38 years old? I mean, you kind of, I'm sure I'll get a couple other shots. I mean, maybe come down to BU if you really want to break four in the mile. That's the place to do it. He ran 334 last year, right? He's got to be able to break four this year. He did, but now he's, well, I guess he was technically working full-time last year as well, but I don't think running is a priority like it was for him. He ran 335 at the Olympics, which is pretty incredible at age 38, but you know, you need to, breaking four, you need to continue training fairly seriously, even for someone as talented as Nick. Oh my God, we're thinking about New Year's resolutions. My brain has just been creatively barnstorming while we've been doing this podcast. Maybe I should get back. Barnstorming or brainstorming? Brainstorming, whatever the word is. And I always said being, I guess I've got a four-year-old. I always said being a college coach is a terrible lifestyle for someone with a family, but with this name, image, and likeness thing, maybe I should get back into it. Could we really, could I just get the top, let's say I have five recruits at Cornell? Go back to Cornell and I'll, I'll show people what I can do there. We get five recruits and the financial aid isn't as great as we'd like it to be. And then let's run signs them all for $20,000 in each. And then name, image, likeness. Boom. I love how, I love how you just think that name, image, and likeness will solve 
everything like oh we'll just use name image and likeness to get them here like they'll come and spend january and february training in ithaca new york name image and likeness will get them there you know i i don't see this as the cure-all that you view it as robert john the training in ithaca in january and february is perfect it's called barton hall it's an eight-lane indoor track flat where the temperature is 70 degrees every day you go to like the University of Pennsylvania, they don't do they even have an indoor facility? Navy? Yeah, where are they gonna do that normal? Where are they gonna do their easy runs or their long runs, Robert? Well, they have an ultra G treadmill. You can go run outside. You ran outside in Dartmouth. No, didn't I, you? I I know. I, I think it's fine if it's for people of a certain toughness, but not not everyone. It's not appealing to everyone to go to Ithaca, New York in January. Well, do you think do you think it doesn't get cold in Flagstaff in January? Or NAU? Oh my God! They don't want to. Run. We can't run outside if it's below forty degrees. Just saying, there there is some. Maybe Robert's saying he doesn't want those people on his team. You know, here's the best strategy. I think what we need to do: you take over at Pepperdine, you get, and you say we're getting all the Youngs and all the Solomons. Nico Young transfers in. Lex and Leo Young, Colin Allen Salmon. I know Colin's already committed to NAU, but you say, no, we're doing it with, with just, we call it the Fab Five. Young, 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 Salmon, Salmon. You win NCAAs with those two families. Let's do that. And you just make a whole documentary about it. Oh, this can't fail. I don't want to have to fly to California. Well, there's tons of schools here in Baltimore. We could do it at Loyola or Hopkins. Wow. What if I take a D or D3 might not work because it wouldn't let me in the D1 meet. But I actually thought about it. You do fifth years and you just get them for one year, even one season, just with this extra season that everybody got. So all the pros, they're going to graduate in like May. You just say, hey, come back for four more months. I'll give you $50,000 each. And we can win it all next year. I love that, actually. All right, that's that's also a pretty awesome idea. Like, anyone who's normally on track to graduate, you just create some all-star team of fifth years. Oh, man. The, but the only problem is, Robert, everyone in the Let's Rob message board would hate you because they hate teams built with international athletes or fifth-year, you know, grad transfers. If you did that, you'd be the most hated man on the message boards. NAU is so good, I'm not sure you'd beat them. But... I honestly think you could probably come close. It wouldn't. There's not a lot of money in running. We need one coach in cahoots with us. He gives the scholarships. We need five scholarships given out. Let's run throws in some cash. These guys are going to scholarship and paid on the side. Wow. And you just tell him you only run. You only run two meets for us. You run the regional meet and you run nationals. We become everything that we hate. Teams that. We always say teams need to be competing in the regular season. They need to take it seriously. No, we just get a bunch of mercenaries come in and win the NCAA meet. If my cash is out there, all these courses will be RUP certified. We might have one race before the regionals to make sure they're ready to go. But hell yeah, it'll be like super RUP certified. This is a great idea. If you're interested in running, or you know, I need to start knowing what the going market for this is. So if you're a, a senior right now and you want to be on the Let's Run.com all-star team... You better have been like top 50 in NCAs this year, probably top 25. Email me. Well, here's the beauty of it, Weldon. There is no market. No one else is going to be offering them anything. To, I mean, all right, some of them might get pro contracts, but like some, they're not going to be saying, oh, you know, here's a huge amount to come endorse a local sub shop. You know, I don't think that cross country people are going to be taking, like getting so many offers for their services. So just give them a nominal, a few thousand dollars might be enough. That's true. We had Connor Mance, the two-time NCAA cross-country champion in our podcast. It's one of the last ones of the year, along with Whitney Orton, the female champ. 
And Connor said he, despite being the NCAA champion, he had no image name, image, and likeness deal this year. So the going rate might be might be one dollar. The more I think about it, I think we got it wrong. We need to get a rich businessman to contact us. Robert at let's run.com. Whatever school you went to, we can make that school the champions. So they'll be interested in doing it because even the, let's come on. It's not like the, the people that are spending, this is on, now I'm reading it on, a, oh, my buddy sent me this text from the OU Sooners fan board who said that Texas A&M spent $25 million. It's not like these guys are making money on it. These are just rich alums that want their school to win. So if there's any rich, well, like Chris Lukasik, who went to Georgetown and supposedly got rich at Airbnb, he could fund he could fund Georgetown. So we just we organize it. We throw in a little bit. We don't want to have to throw in, you know, for, where are we going to get all this money when I think about it? So we need the rich alum to pick the school, and then we'll do it. And just I want to make a mockery of this system. I don't like name, image, and likeness, like this free agency in college football where it's like you have a starting quarterback at OU wanting to transfer after his freshman year, even though he started. Like, it's crazy. But I guarantee Robert bitched with the old system as well. People couldn't transfer. The coach left and they were stuck at the school. So, well, yeah, I, I'm for the kids having some rights, but I, I just don't like, I, I just think society in general is becoming too cutthroat. Like, you have a job for three months and then you quit and go to, I guess they could fire you at any time. You go and leave. There's just no loyalty. Uh, loyalty is something I value. But yeah, let's make a mockery of the system because. Until a team wins with, as we said, all walk-ons who ran over 930 in high school, that's the dream. We can just do a team. Oh, by the way, you can't be American for the Let's Run.com sponsorship. It's going to be only for an athlete. Well, if you're going through, like, the top 20 NCAA cross-country, that's, you know, probably the majority. I bet the majority off foreign anyway, so don't think that'll be an issue of getting the best of the best. Well, if we get five Kenyan ringers, that'll be people. It's The boards will blow up. I think people hate Rojo now. They'll really hate him. Other schools have tried getting five Kenyan ringers. And it's, I mean, I know it happened, like UTEP dominated with African ringers in the 80s or the 70s. But, you know, you look at Alabama, that's how they built their team. And they've had some success, but they haven't even come close to winning an NCAA team title. I mean, the, I guess the benefit we would have going for us is we're already getting the ones who have thrived in the NCAA and you're just trying to get them for that final year of eligibility. But we're just, we're acting as if they would choose to join this new upstart program instead of sticking with their actual school and good coach for one extra year. I mean, this whole thing's a pipe dream, but it would be pretty interesting if we, <laughs> if we actually tried it. But I, I was joking about this to some extent, but only a little bit, because I am wondering if some alums are going to be smart about this. Here's the quote about the football team. And it's from an OU fan. He says, to answer the original poster's question, the number I've heard is between $25 and $30 million for the first day of signing for Texas A&M. Now, that seems high to me because how many people do they sign in a year? 20, 25, they're giving them a million dollars each? It seems like a lot. But anyways, we're nowhere near prepared to dish out that kind of money. But Texas A&M's donors were extremely coordinated. The coaching staff would identify players they wanted, relay those to the quote-unquote point donor, and then that individual would work with various other donors to build an LLC that would sponsor the targeted player. And if you're just hoping that they'll be there for one year and then transfer out of the portal, they're a step ahead of it because they structured each player's deal as a multi-year contract. If you leave Texas A&M, you leave money behind. So I was thinking about this with the limited track thing. Like if you're one spot away in cross country from winning it, 
could the don could the coach go to a donor and say you know we're we just need this one guy easily I mean, plenty of programs have people that give twenty five thousand twenty thousand dollars a year just give it direct instead of giving it to the program give it directly to the kid of course that's gonna go on and it is going on in the big sports I'm surprised they can sign a deal though I thought you couldn't sign until you went to the school. But I guess if they started going back on the deals, nobody would go to the school. I I think short term, you're going to see a lot of this. Then some alums will scale back. It'll go on to a smaller extent once we go forward. Sort of a little bubble at first. All right. Speaking of cross country, the USA cross country championships are this weekend in San Diego. Now we're going to have our big preview of this on the Friday edition, the Friday 15, and you need to be a Let's Run.com supporters club member to listen to that. So go to Let's Run.com slash subscribe if you want to sign up and listen. But it's, it should be a good one, guys. I've looked at the names, especially on the women's side. Wayne Kaladi, Alicia Monson, two of the best young distance runners in America. Both of them are running. Molly Seidel's entered. Stephanie Bruce. Kim Conley, two-time Olympian. Natasha Rogers, who is the reigning U.S. cross-country champion. I'm quite excited for this women's race. It's amazing. Why do you mention Molly Seidel as like an afterthought? She's the former high school and college national cross-country champion, and she's the only one that won a medal in the Olympics. Well, because I don't think, from talking to, I talked to Stephen Haas, who is her agent and who is Wayne Kaladi's coach and agent, and I was sort of saying, you know, who's in shape right now, and I think Molly... You know, she took some time off after New York. I think she's still sort of getting back into the swing of things where, from what I understand, Wayne and Alicia are, you know, really ready to go. So, yes, obviously Molly Seidel, huge name in American distance running, but I think for the win in a 10K, it's probably going to be between Kaladi and Monson. Fair point. But, yeah, that's a great woman's field. And I think it's smart, you know, if you want to work on your strength, you know, since the track season, run this. And then if you're going to do indoors... You can ram that out hard all the way through you for through world world's indoors, which are supposed to be in Budapest. Correction. I knew it started with the B. Actually, for a bonus point, Robert, what country are Budapest and Belgrade in? Can you tell me what countries they're in? Budapest, Hungary. That's right. Is it a trick question about Belgrade? It's not a trick question. It's in an actual country. Does Yugoslavia still exist? No, it doesn't. It, it's Serbia. It's the capital of Serbia. I apologize. No, it's okay. I'm, I'm letting our listeners know because I'm sure there were a number of them who didn't know that either. That's where the world indoors are this people, this year people. Let's run. I think we're going to have boots on the ground. The plan is to have some representation in Serbia, which is the homeland of Novak Djokovic, actually, which I don't know if we need to get into that, but yeah, well, indoors in March in Serbia, it should be good. Well, John, you mentioned Djokovic. I could, I could tie this all in because there is no World Cross Country this year. It was was going to be held, I believe, last year in Bathurst, Australia. It was pushed to this year, and then it was delayed again till next year because Australia, like, I mean, I, don't, I just see the crazy shit on the news. They're hardcore COVID, man. Like arresting people in the streets and I don't know. 
Wait, they're arresting people in the streets for what? Didn't they, Robert? I swear I saw them. Like, in certain towns, like, you couldn't go outside. If you went out, protested, you got arrested or something. Fake news, probably, but... Well, that'll be a fun trip next year. World Cross in Bathurst, 2023. Better not get delayed again. Let's just say that. Yeah, so I got sidetracked. I'm impressed all these names are running U.S. Cross because usually if there's not a World Cross at the end of it, people don't come out. But I think, I mean, Wayne Kalati's on fire. It's great to see her. Alicia Monson, I wonder how much she's influenced by Ritz. Ritz is one of the greatest, her coach, Dathan Ritzenhine, one of the greatest U.S. cross-country runners ever. So he loves cross, and maybe that helps get his athletes encouraged for cross. But no Australia. But what is going on in Australia now is the U.S. is the Australian Open. And Djokovic, the number one tennis player in the world, he's unvaxxed. And it came out, I think, yesterday. Hey, I got the exemption to go to Australia. And, like, shit has hit the fan, man. People are pissed off in Australia. They're very hardcore COVID. They're like, how can you let him in? The government said they're not going to support his visa, the state government. He's now, like, I think he's over there, like, locked in some room at the airport because somehow his visa hasn't come through can you imagine if this was running i mean just a little brouhaha when people found out cole hawker wasn't vaccinated at the olympics people would be shitting themselves if this was running can i imagine if it's running a it wouldn't be nearly as big a story because novak Djokovic is more popular than any runner but two yes i can imagine it because i was at the 2018 world indoor championships in Birmingham, Emmanuel Correa did not get to compete at the World Championships because he did not have, they didn't get a visa for him, which was absurd. Like he was what he's now the Olympic champion in the 800 meters. He would have been among the favorites to win the world title that year. And it wasn't to anything to do with the vaccine. He bit, he competed in Great Britain, I think the year before. And they, he didn't get to ride in the worlds because of, he didn't have a visa. It was absurd. That is crazy, and it shows how minor running is because if it was a football player, somehow the visa would have landed. And I think also, but this shows to me, if there wasn't the COVID angle, John, somehow there'd be no problem with his visa. He'd already be in there. I think the COVID angle's playing in because some people think this exemption was fake. Supposedly, there's two independent panels that ruled, and a bunch of other players, a handful of other players have exemptions. So it's pretty interesting because... If it really is an independent panel giving fit athletes exemptions from the vaccine, I kind of want to know what's going on. Look, I don't want to get into big COVID talk, but one of the exemptions is if you've had COVID in the previous six months, they're going to honor that as natural immunity. So that could be one thing. But this story, it's not going to please anybody because if you're huge into the vaccine, and or if, you, if, you're in, just if you're the average, even if you're the average person in Australia, you've been holed up. You're not allowed to leave the country for two years. Yet they're going to let some superstar athletes sort of avoid the rules because the tennis tournament wants to go on. So if you're just some, even if you're anti-vaccine, this is going to outrage you. And if you're really worried about COVID, you're like, no, we can't let this one person in. What's the point? We've been this strict for this long. We might as well keep it up. So but both sides are going to be outraged by this story. It's just kind of an interesting one. Well, Robert said, I think he said the words, I don't want to make a big covid discussion or i don't want this to turn into a big covid discussion robert come on we all know the id deep down inside you that's exactly what you want but let's move on from not running stuff to running stuff 2022 we're going to make some predictions we're going to talk about some stuff we'd like to see 
I want to start with this. I've been following World Athletics social media accounts, clearly, because I was there on Instagram earlier about this Kerry Richardson thing. But I also think they do a pretty good job. It's a pretty entertaining Twitter account generally. And one of the things they've been doing recently is these fantasy head-to-heads. So one of them was Sean A. Miller-Webo against Elaine Thompson-Hurrah over 250 meters. Another one was Norway versus Kenya in the men's DMR. That was USA versus Great Britain in the women's 4x8. And treating them as these big, like, oh, who would win, you know, fantasy matchup. I'm like, you know, we can just make these happen. Like, you can just put all these people on a track and they can race each other. And maybe we should be trying to make this happen in 2022. How about that? Do any of these matchups appeal to you guys? Like, I would love, personally, I would love to see USA versus Great Britain in the women's 4 by 8 You got Keely Hodgkinson, Alex Bell, Gemma Riki, and Laura Muir against RJ Wilson, Kate Grace, Raven Rogers, and a thing Mo. I'd pay money to watch that race. Look, I think the Donovan Bailey, Michael Johnson race is one of the greatest things in track and field history. They raced at 150 meters. Google it, people, if you're too young to remember it. But no, this. I don't need to see a bunch of circus shows this year. No. Like, who do I think is going to win in the U.S. versus Great Britain women's format? I think the U.S. would stomp them. Robert, all right. You re- you think they should? They would stomp them? Have you actually looked at these teams? Do you know how many Olympic finalists Great Britain had in the women's 800 meters? I assume the answer would be three. Yeah. And do you know how many the U.S. had? Two. Two. And you know who didn't make the Olympic final for Great Britain? Laura Muir, who ran 156. I think it would be a lot closer than you think. And I think Great Britain could win. I'm not saying they would, but I think I think it would be a good race. You know who didn't make the Olympic final for the U.S.? R.J. Wilson. Kate Grace. R.J. Wilson was in the Olympics, and she did not qualify for the final. It's not like, oh, she was injured or something. Like, she was running. She didn't make it. All right. He, look, here, here's my thing, though. This is what I want to see. It doesn't need to be in 2022, but 2023, we have the World Relays. They're in China. And what I want to see, World Athletics, they need to add in the 4x8, and they need to add in either the 4x-mile or the 4x1500. And they need to throw out the option, all right, all the world's greatest 800 runners and milers, this is it. We're having these events. You've talked about this. I, I can't go a week without hearing people talk about who they would have in a fantasy full by mile, you know, USA, Kenya, Australia, Great Britain, Norway. I always hear people's lineups thrown out and who would win. And everyone says, Oh yeah, I'd love to do it. You know, just set it up. I'll be there. Well, here's what I want. World athletics, you need to put it on the schedule, add it to the meet next year. And if people don't show up and they don't, you know, the best athletes don't show up, you get rid of it forever. And you're not allowed to, the athletes, they're not allowed to talk about, who would win in a hypothetical matchup or say, oh, I'd like to run it, but I, you know, let, let's just tell me where. If you put it on the calendar, May 2023, I want these athletes to show up. And if they don't show up, they shouldn't be allowed to race it ever again. Put up or shut up moment 2023. That's what I want. I agree with the sentiment, John, but I think we know how this works. Someone wouldn't show up and that would be that. Yeah. I mean, someone, someone would be, oh, I tweaked my hamstring or someone said, oh, the coach or I'm focusing on this. I guess traveling to China, maybe you have to move it to Europe or somewhere where you, you know, traveling to China, maybe they wouldn't want to do that. But I, I am, I'm a little upset because 
I do think it's a great idea. Like I'd love to see a full by mile, but you need to have it at a meet. Some some meet has to host it. And it would be nice if there was some sort of title on the line. Like if you had it in the world relays in May, I think that's good timing. Then the winner, you could say they're the world relays champion. You know, if you have it, if you add it to the Olympics, like a DMR or four by eight or something like that, I think maybe the four by eight would work if you have the 800 at the start of the Olympics, the four by eight at the end. But like a four by mile, all the athletes, they're going to be focused on their individual event. After running three rounds to 1500, are they really going to want to run the four by mile final as well? No. So you add it to a meet that you can make it matter, which is the world relays. You put it in May, which is pretty good timing. And that's the opportunity right there. But it's up to world athletics and then it's up to the athletes to actually show up. So I'm sorry, John, did you read through all these things that are on the sheet? People have heard about all these potential races. I read through, I didn't list the whole lineup for Norway versus Kenya in the DMR, but I, I listed the, all the ones there except for Rudisha versus Bolt at 450 meters because that is truly a hypothetical. I mean, I don't particularly care to see those two race at 450 meters 2022, given that yes. Bolt's so retired and Radish hasn't raced for five years. Some of these races might be fun. U.S. versus Great Britain's 4x4, Norway versus Kenya, men's GMR. But Bolt versus Radish at 450? No. How about just 400? That would be fine with me. Just to see Bolt in a 400. He's never run a 400. When are we going to get him up to 450? And then Shawnee Miller, Oibo versus Elaine Thompson here at 250? What are they talking about? Do they not realize that they've raced a ton of times at 200 meters? Elaine Thompson Hera. Anyone know what Elaine Thompson Hera's record against Shawnee Miller Weibo is at 200 meters? Lifetime. I bet it's like seven and one. With who's winning seven? Thompson. Incorrect. Shawnee Miller Weibo and Elaine Thompson Hera raced six times at 200 meters, and Shawnee Miller Weibo has run five of the six. Oh, really? So, so they don't need to race at 250 meters for Shawnee Miller Weibo to beat her. Well, uh, they did race in the Olympic final this year, and Shawnee Miller got smoked. Now, Grace Shawnee Miller basically junked that race, but yeah, I, that, I mean, look, that's just the one they threw out. You know what the matchup I really want to see this year, though? And some Diamond League, let's have it at the pre-classic, or some Diamond League meet throughout to throw a bunch of money at them and make it happen. Sydney McLaughlin and a Thing Mo in a flat 400. America's brightest track stars duking it out against each other. I think that would be fantastic. This is a distance running website, but do we need to be encouraging the Thing Mo 400? Because I want her to just dominate both of them. But she's so young, it could wait a little bit, you know, like 2024 Olympics. Or should we have her start? She need to like keep up the speed and start sprinkling in the 400s a bunch this year. I think it's just part of her training, right? This last year. I mean, I think. She'll probably keep doing them, right? It worked last year. She ran that event at NCAA indoors and NCAA outdoors where she broke the collegiate record twice. And, well, you weren't in Tokyo, but literally one of the first things she said in the interview when she came to the print media in the mix zone was she had just won the Olympic title and she said, now I want to break the world record and I want to do the 400-800 double at a global championship. So she's already thinking it. So, yes, I'm going to continue. I'm going to encourage it because I'd love to see it. I mean, I think, Mo, she's just refreshing. Please keep that youthful exuberance. I mean, oh, I just happened to go to Texas A&M website right now. They're cycling through pictures, and there's her and her team giving a thumbs up. 
she's smiling. Got that great smile. She's got smiling at the camera. I was just pulling up stats about our coach, Milton Mallard, probably the greatest unsung coach in America right now. Should we get him on the podcast? Well done. We've been talking about getting getting coaches and stuff. I feel like you know, he coached Brandon McBride. He coached the thing Mo. He coached Brandon Miller. I'd be interested to hear what, what he has to say. I think we have to. You know, he's a, he's a former, like, 10-0 sprinter. No, I didn't know that. Because, yeah, it seems like most of the A&M sprinters have approached the 800 from sort of the... Sorry, most of the A&M 800 runners have approached it from the sort of sprinting background, 400-800 training, as opposed to sort of 815. So... I feel, yeah, I feel like people don't know anything about him. He'd be an interesting guy to talk to. All right, so my fantasy matchup, I've already said 2023, it's a mile, 4x mile, or 4x1500 at the World Relays. And this year, it's McLaughlin versus Mo in a flat 400. Do you guys have one matchup or one race you really want to make happen in 2022? Yes, I do. I would like to see... By the way, I don't think this is going to happen before I even say it, but... I'd like to see someone by the name of Mr. Elliot Kipchoke on the streets of Boston on April 18th, 2022, racing against none other than Kanese Bekele. I would like this race to be announced with only these two runners confirmed right now this week so we have time to hype it up, get excited, make sure they're training. But my prediction is that Kipchoke will go to Tokyo Although there's some thought Tokyo has offered to cancel the race if the Japanese require them, ask them to do that, government officials to do that. But actually, if Tokyo is canceled, I was going to be bummed out about that. And I guess it's good because then Kipchoge would have no other choice but to go to Boston. I think you're right, Robert. That would be the only spring world marathon major on the schedule. He said he wants to run all the majors. Maybe we should be rooting for Tokyo to cancel this marathon so he can come run Boston. I'd like to actually, now that you mentioned it, I'd like to see him in a half. I want to see Kipchoge, Jeffrey Camor, Jacob Kiplimo, Kipawat Kandye. I want to see them all in the World Half Marathon Championships this fall in China. Kipchoge would get crushed. Hate to say it. Come on. He's old. There's no way he beats those guys in a half. But if Kipchoge's running Tokyo, he better be training. Well, I assume that guy's always training because he. Never seems to have an off day. But Tokyo is eight weeks from this weekend. It's not that far off. It's first week of March. So we got we to gotta be able to have Tokyo, right? This is 2022. Let's have a racist people. Yeah, folks. And we're going to get into real soon our big bold predictions for 2022. One of mine is COVID-related, John. So I will get into COVID a little bit there. But... You guys were talking about the half marathon. That reminded me. On the VIP supporting club forum, last week we were asking people what they wanted to hear about on the Friday bonus podcast. We, by the way, we had we crushed it on the Friday bonus podcast. We talked about which Olympic and U.S. champs were most likely to repeat and which ones were most likely to not even finish in the top three again. So for the U.S., they wouldn't make the team. For the world people, they wouldn't medal. And then which fourth places were most likely to make the step up, both at the world and U.S. level. But we asked people on the forum, like, hey, what would you like to talk about? And someone posting under the name of Soviet Vest. I wonder if they're from Soviet Union. I looked it up. 
I don't know if I actually, I can't, should I not out what country they're from? Anyways, one of the Commonwealth countries, let's put it that way, says, they had a couple of random thoughts that were really interesting, I thought. What's the point of the World Championship Marathon? The world is all about the top athletes. That's not what happens at the World Championship Marathon. Most top athletes need to prioritize the majors for obvious financial reasons. Why not make it a half? I kind of, I kind of like that, actually, except now... Well, one of the problems is some of the top world half guys who would run the world half run the 10,000 meters at world championships and doing the double would be pretty tough. But the other thing is I, the world half marathon championships is now becoming the world road running championships. They're going to have a 5Ks and then they're going to have the halves. I kind of like that that's its own thing and people take it pretty seriously. So I like that the World Half Marathon Championships gets attention as its own thing. That's a separate event that we can get excited for on the calendar. If you folded that into the existing World Championships, it's kind of getting forgotten. Now that, and that's what's happened with the World Championship Marathon. That race is kind of forgotten compared to the rest of the worlds, but solving it, shifting it to a half marathon, I don't think solves that problem. I agree with you. I, I don't really want to see it. We already have the World Half, so why do we need the World Half at the, why do we need the Half at the Worlds? I'd rather just get rid of the marathon. I don't see the point of worlds. Now, I think some of these countries, like the, you know, the, if you're running for the Kenyan Armed Forces or something, you get a better government pension if you do well. I'm, I'm, I'm always amazed that the Kenyans do it, Ethiopians, et cetera. But anyways, his second question was, which would you rather see next year? And this is interesting from a promotion standpoint. The top stars racing each other regularly on the circuit during the build-up to the world championships, e.g. Chariot versus Ingebrigtsen, and Thompson Hare versus Fraser Price and Richardson, or would you like to them to avoid each other and build the anticipation for the big showdown in Oregon? Is this important from a marketing perspective? Personally, I would like I would like the first race between the stars to be at the championships, but that might not be in the wide in the wider interests of the sport. Well, it's interesting because we talk about this all the time, and Robert, I think Robert generally has it right i think you normally say that you want them to race three times like once at the start of the season maybe like once before the championships once at the championships and then once after the championships i think that's what i would want because we have the current system where a lot of them will dodge each other before the championships and that does make that championships sort of an unknown it's exciting but at the same time i don't know i mean delilah muhammad and Sidney McLaughlin raced each other at the U.S. Trials, and then they raced each other at the Olympics a few weeks later. I thought those were both pretty awesome races. So I would prefer to have them race maybe once the very best stars before the championships, and then once at the championships. And then if you want to have them in the diamond final again. And I reserve the right to change. If that starts happening more regularly, and then a few years from now, we're like, oh, they race too much. Go change it back. I reserve the right to change my mind. But right now, I'd say once before the champs, and then at the champs for the very, very best. Yeah, I think you and I are in agreement. I mean, remember, Worlds this year is pretty early. Starts on July 15th, ends on Let's Run.com Founders Day, which is July 24th. Well, we're going to have like a blowout party with Worlds. John, did you say there's going to be a World 5K road championship? Yeah, I think starting in 2023, they're folding it in. They're going to add that to the world half. The one thing I wanted to say, so just to go back to my previous point, like think last year, Timothy Chariot and Jakob Ingebrigtsen, they raced each other in Monaco, they raced each other in the Olympics, they raced each other in the Diamond League Finals. Sifan Hassan, 
and Faith Kippy gone. Diamond League final, Monaco, Florence, and the Olympics. You, get, you know what happens when you race each other more often? You get rivalries. You get the relationships between these athletes. Ryan Benjamin and Carson Warholm, they only see each other once a year, basically, when they meet the global final. And yeah, we know they kind of have a run, like they're training different parts of the world to beat each other. But I like seeing them race more often. Like Faith Kipigon and Stefan Hassan, those races were some of the most exciting races of the entire year. I think we need more of that, not less. Outside of the hurdles, the short hurdles, I feel like there is probably a sweet spot. I think generally you need more than one matchup, but like it's definitely under five. But if it was the hundred and there was a bolt and then another bolt and they didn't race to the worlds, it would be pretty epic. Then get another big payday after that. So in few limited events, I could see possibly holding off to the worlds. Well, we basically had that in the 100 last year on the women's side. Elaine Thompson, hurrah, and Shelly Ann Fraser-Price. They're the closest to Bolt you're ever going to get in that event. They're the two best ever. And they raced each other five times, I think. Now, what, were you bored at the, their fifth matchup? Were you tired of them racing? I think if you have them race like twice in a week, I don't think that does anyone any good. But I liked seeing them, I liked seeing them race quite a lot last year. I thought that was kind of fun. But I think those two, I think they raced five times. That may have been one or two too many. Okay, and there's one third hypothetical here from Soviet Vest, who points out that the last, the 2019 Worlds and the Tokyo, the Doha and Tokyo men's 1500s were run fast from the gun. This is unusual from a historical perspective. Apart from El Garouj, when El Garouj got a teammate to rabbit for him, there hadn't been a fast gun to tape race at a championship since Baye won the Commonwealth Games in 1974. Chariot and Britain struck a deal to share the pace in Tokyo. What if they don't reach a similar agreement in Oregon? If the first lap is slow, who wins? I mean, are you saying if the first lap is slow, like who wins it? I guess, is he asking who wins in a slow race? Or is he thinking someone would take it up and start pushing the pace? I'd still... I don't know. I mean, I think they're very close in ability. I guess I would I would tend to go Ingebrigtsen because he is the Olympic champion, but I, I don't know. Yeah, it depends on how slow it goes. I think both uh, uh, it'd be in both guys' interest to push the pace even a lap in. Right. If you let it go 800 and then roll the dice, Josh Kerr, more people are in the mix there. So Cole Hawker, uh, baby. That's how Cole Hawker wins a world title, is if it's like comes down to the last lap. Right. So I don't think either one wants it to come down to the final, just all out 400, you know, when you're going to run a 51. So interesting question. Well, it's interesting. We say they're both, neither one, it's in both of their interest to let it go, to get, to get it going. But, and that's what Sherry I did in the Olympics. But if I'm Chariot, no, no, I don't do that anymore. Maybe I get out and get in good position so I'm near the front because it's always better to be in the front, whether it's slow or fast. But his 800-meter PR is 143.11. Ingebrigtsen's 800-meter PR is 146. So if I'm Tim Chariot and I'm his coach this year, yeah, he might not even medal if he, if he lets it go really slow and it, there's more of a wild card, but I'm giving it to Chariot. Yeah, I think you've sold you sold me on that, Robert. If it's like an actual kick, 
you know, the last 400 and the first three laps are slow. Yeah, I think I'd go Chariot. But I also think if it was slow after the first 400 and Chariot didn't take it, Jakob would take it. And I think he could win running away from everyone. Maybe. But then he's rabbiting the field. Let's see if he's that much better than him. I, I would love to see that. I would love to actually see Timothy. Have we ever seen Timothy Chariot? In a tactical 1500? I know in the Diamond League, sometimes he'll... He usually is towards the front, but sometimes he'll be in like second or third. I've seen him a couple times, and he can close pretty well. But usually, I, I can't rem, I can't remember. Like, the tactical... I'm trying to think. Commonwealth Games in 2018, I know he got outkicked by Elijah Manningoy. I don't remember the t- winning time in that. But basically, the idea... The strategy that Chariot and his coach Bernard Uma usually use is we'll make it a fast race because we know he can set the pace and he's generally just fitter than almost everyone he ever runs against. So that's the strategy they employ. I'm like, Commonwealth Games, yeah, he got second in 335 in 2018. African Championships that year, he was second in 335. So even those races were fairly quick. Yeah, but that used to be the thing. Remember, he used to win everything on the circuit and then lose the championships to, to Manningoy. He, he lost the Worlds the year before in 2017 when he ran 333.99, so not super fast, but those aren't really slow either. John, you mentioned dream matchups earlier for the year, and you actually mentioned one of mine. I have three dream matchups of the year. There's one common denominator in these. Number one, the women's 1500 meters. I would like to see Sifan Hassan versus Faith Kipyegon, and I'd like to see a sub-350. It's rare that you want fast and certain people racing, but it's across the board here. Number two, the women's 5,000 meters. Let's beat at Gede and Sifan Hassan, and I want to see sub-14, which might be a bit of a stretch. We're at 1406 right now. Or they can race the 10K and go sub-29. We're right at the, at the precipice of... Three historic times. I think these women can do it. It's pretty crazy that Safan Hassan conceivably could push the 1500 below 350, the 10K below 29 minutes. Coached by, and this is the cool story, Tim Robury, who I used to view as the little water boy who came and like held the water for Alberto and would defend him on the Let's Run message boards. It just shows you're passionate about something, people. You can get something done in life. It doesn't always work out, but like this guy just started volunteering for Alberto. He was clearly passionate about running, and now he coaches Safan Hassan. And I think that's it. Does he coach anyone else in the world, John? I mean, like this is some specialty. I think he coached Yomif Kajelcha last year. I'm not sure if he still coaches Yomif, but I think those were, it was the, those were his only two athletes, to my knowledge. He's doing a damn good job. Those are some great matchups. Should we offer like a let's run bonus if they break it? I mean, I'm sure they're going to be healthily compensated by their sponsors if they break the world record. But if you want to offer up something, it's it's your money. But I want them to wear like the let's run t-shirt. They can put like, if they're sponsored by Under Armour or Nike or Adidas, they can put their own little logo on top of the let's run t-shirt. But those were good ideas. All right, John, you said to come up with some big predictions. Walton has his three dream matchups. I've got my three predictions for the 2022. Are you ready? 
I'm, I've got three as well. So can we alternate? You give one of yours and I'll give one of mine. I hope we're not stumping on each other's toes, but yes. We have I'm not ready. talked about this. I have one sprint related and two are distance related. Same with me. Uh oh. Wow. This is good. Number one. Everyone's obsessed about Elaine Thompson Hera, Flojo's world record, the return of Christian Coleman, Shakari Richardson. Etc. People are really into the 100s. Let's don't sleep on my boy. He called Jonathan Galt and me his boys. He says we've always been there for him. And now he's down. It's the heavy favorite to win the Olympic 110 meter. Heard of a gold medal. Did not do it. Didn't seem that upset about it. Called it a season. I was kind of upset he didn't keep going. But I think he's going to be motivated this year because of that. Grant Hallway will break the 110 men's world record. All right, Robert, I did ask for bold predictions, and you realize he missed the world record by a hundredth of a second last year. I'm hoping that your next two are a little bolder than that, but I think that would be fun to see as well. My prediction, first prediction, sprint prediction, Aria Knighton will be your 200-meter world champion in 2022. He's currently 17 years old. He turns 18 on January 29th. But he ran 19.84 last year after his junior year of high school. I think he's one of the biggest talents the sport's ever seen. I think he's going to be the gold medalist at Eugene 2022. Robert, let's hear it. Prediction number two. Was that that bold of a prediction? I mean, wasn't Knight in fourth in the world if John's going to crap on me? You know, that's that's fair, but I think fourth, he didn't even medal last year. Now he's going to win Worlds at 18. I don't know. I think that ball, that prediction was a little bolder than yours, but go ahead. Number two. The world record's been there for nine years. Aries Marriott, 2012. All right, number two. Well, I can't even do number three then because number three is not very bold, but number two is bold. I think. The men's 1,500 meter world record will fall in 2022. God damn it, Robert, you stole my prediction. That was mine as well. John, you're my mini me. But all right, all right. I want it, I want us to have our horses then. Who breaks it? I think there are two candidates here. Are you going Cherio or Ingebrigtsen? I want a name. When we asked John Kellogg, John and I, I asked John to make sure he thought this was possible. John, they want to put us on the spot. Who breaks the 1500 meter world record? Ingebrigtsen or Chariot? We need to pick one of the two. And I think everybody has to do this independently. We did the other people. We'll, we'll set a timer here somehow and then compile this together because I don't want other people influencing them. No, I, my prediction, mine was bolder than Robert's because I had a name attached to my 1500 meter world record prediction. So I've already got a name. I had no predictions, but I thought about this very hard for the last 30 seconds. And I have a name associated with mine as well, <laughs> but I don't want to influence Robert so he'll change his prediction. Robert, who are you going with? The man I've secretly signed to a Let's Run.com endorsement contract, Asbel Kiprop. We're going to cycle him up. <laughs> We're going to cycle him up on every drug known to humankind. Secret? I don't think it's so secret, Robert. He's ending his tweets now with the words, Let's Run. He's done this like twice in the last week. So maybe he's going to break this news himself. If no one signs him well, then can we sign him to a deal, like a small deal? Doesn't like twenty grand go on? Of course, I thought 
against dopers. We're going to sign a guy who was handed a four-year EPO ban? We are against dopers, but this guy was like my favorite runner before he allegedly doped. Allegedly, he was convicted. <laughs> oh, God, I just pissed off the whole Let's audience. Yeah, they're gonna Redemption, like, oh, John. We believe in redemption as well. Now, with people hating each other on the internet and stuff, you got to have some redemption. I guess he, I, I should demand the same of him that he, like, fess up like Justin Gatlin still hasn't done. You've gone soft. All right, Robert, Ingebrigtsen or Chariot? Come on, give me a name here. Jacob Ingebrigtsen. That was who I had as well. Boom, Timothy Chariot, I got your back. If the record's going down, Potato Tim is going to get it. All right, here is the one, the one stumbling block I see to this is if you've got... If he's going to break the record, I think we all agree it's probably going to have to come in Monaco, right? That's where all the fast times come these days. If you look at the schedule, the World Championships are July 15th to the 24th. Monaco is August 10th, and then the Euros are August 15th to the 21st. I don't know if Ingebrigtsen is going to run the Euros or not. I kind of, he usually does. I do get a little worried. You know, normally Monaco is the one big blowout meet everyone has before the championships. So, Will the timing throw things off this year, it being a few weeks off the Worlds? I hope not, but my devil's advocate, they're all super fit at the World Championships. You wait two or three weeks, he's rested up, and then you can really, your peak fitness, you run it in Monaco August 10th. So hopefully, that's what we get. John, you make a great point, particularly when he doubles at Worlds and runs the 15-5. and Yeah. He might be a little bit tired, but then again... I mean, that world record from 98, I mean, back in the day, of course, EPO was at its peak, probably about 98. I mean, El Garouche used to slam it every week. But that's what John and I's theory is with Super Shoes, the record is since, is 23, he's going to be 24 years old this year. Who? Oh, the world record. Yeah, it'll turn 20, it was set in 99, so it'll be 24 this year. I don't know, which is better, Super Shoes or EPO? Ingebrigtsen wasn't even born when Garouche set the record. That is correct. Yeah, that's pretty interesting. Okay, well, Robert, you you made a... I think that's a sufficiently bold prediction, and that was my second one, so I'm not going to make my second one. But my third bold prediction for 2022, your 2022 marathon world champion will be Galen Rupp of the United States. When wow. we were talking about gold predictions, and I, you guys had prepared them and I had it, that kind of crossed my mind. And then I thought, no. Look, well, then, here's the thing about bold predictions. Dirty little secret. You make them in January, and everyone forgets about them by the end of the year, unless they come true, in which case you can brag about them. So that's why we make these predictions is... If Rupp wins the gold, then we say, I called it back in January. I'm a genius. And if it doesn't happen, no one no one remembers. And it's a great prediction because then I can put another asterisk next to another career accomplishment of Galen Rupp. With high school, remember, anything that he did in the high school ranks, we have that asterisk next to the Nike document indicating that he was on testosterone medication. And with the Olympic marathon medal, we know he was on shoes that hardly anyone else had. Maybe, was it also true in Chicago? I'm not sure anyone that. So then we could add another asterisk to this that no one really runs the World Championship Marathon. You know who is running it this year, though? Who has expressed interest is Jeffrey Camborough. He said he wants to run it. So I think that would be good. But 
the what we have here are the things working in Rupp's favor. I'll explain my prediction a little bit. It's in Eugene, home turf for him. And it's going to be hot. It's in the middle of July. And we know that Galen Rupp's a good heat runner. And then the World Championship field, like you said, Robert, all right, Cam Warrell might run it, but generally it's not quite as strong as, well, the very best majors. I would say, I mean, there's some pretty good people who run it still. But I think it's win. It's a cha- we've seen him medal at the Olympics. He was eighth the world at the Olympics last year as well. I think he's good enough to win the world championships in, in hot weather in Eugene. So that's my pick. I don't think it's going to happen. Is Alberto allowed to watch? He can show up. I think he can show up on the streets of Eugene. That's like if you're just on a public street and they happen to be running the world championships past you. Why couldn't he? But is he allowed to buy a ticket to the stadium? Can like Phil Knight have him in the box? How does that work? He probably can't get a credential, right? Well, definitely not. Do you remember in Doha, the picture? Like, there's a big X under his name. Like, don't let revoke this person's credential. Don't let him in. Definitely can't get a credential. But I'm not sure if you, you know if you let him as in a private guest. I don't know. Do we have a photo of that? We got to post that. That was crazy. But I, I don't know. Maybe it's the whole redemption thing. All this guy did for Galen Rupp. I would love to see Alberto cheering for him on the streets. In that thread, I want people want to see in 2022. People are saying they want to see Alberto Salazar on the podcast. I would love to make it happen. I know Alberto used to hate his guts, but I feel like we. I would say we were always fair. We had a lot of questions. Apparently, so did Wada, and we said, "How is this not a doping violation?" It was. But at the same time, we can acknowledge it wasn't proven he doped any athletes. And secondly, we think the safe sport, the charges need to be announced. There needs to be more evidence put forth before you ban someone for life. I'm sorry. The Sixth Amendment of the Constitution exists for a reason. Wow. This is, is there a third Johnson? brother that I'm not aware of, a triplet or something that's replaced Weldon Johnson because in the po- this podcast episode so far, he said he wants to offer Asbel Kiprop a contract and he wants a joyous reuni- reunification between Alberto Salazar and Galen Rupp cheering each other on on the streets of Eugene. This doesn't sound like the Weldon Johnson I know. And John, Alberto's a strong Christian who believe in redemption, forgiveness, Atonement. All right, Robert, bowl prediction number three. What do you got for us? Before I get to my bowl prediction, I just realize how old Rupp is. He's 35. He's only like a year and a half younger than Kipchoge. Although I guess Kipchoge did dominate the Olympics. I was going to say he's definitely not going to win that because he's done. But then I realized Meb did win Boston, right? Like one month before his 39th birthday. That's correct. Yes, I can't write web uh, off quite yet. Bold prediction, please. My big bold prediction, my third and final big bold prediction for 2022 is we will see the women's first sub-14 minute 5,000 in the year 2022. I'm not sure if Letson Gaday or Safana San is going to be that woman, but a 5,000-meter women's race will end, and the winning time will be one, three, Poland, five, something. What do you guys think? I think that's a great prediction. Again, it's sort of just 
they need to have the opportunity. You know, Hassan or Gide, they need to get in a race where it's geared around going for a record where they're fit and where they're not tired from double or triple at Worlds or quadruple or whatever they end up doing. So I think they both have the ability to do it, but they need the opportunity. Okay, I got my prediction. Elaine Thompson, hurrah, will break Flojo's world record in Eugene in the 100 meters. In Eugene, wow. Okay. I got a time and a place. I could look up the date, but I just made this up right now. So when this happens, should we play this clip over and over? But it's not that crazy, is it? It's not that crazy. If, if you remember, she ran 10.54 in Eugene in 2021. So if she gets a slightly friendlier wind, is it crazy she could run, you know, a five hundredths of a second faster? I don't think that's nuts. And I keep getting emails. Tickets are still available for Eugene 2022, despite only... I forgot. You know, originally they said they would have at least 30,000 people. Would they scale that down to? I'm the only person who actually has asked, and I don't remember the number. But tickets are still available if you want to be there. Good luck getting a hotel room, but just our Airbnb is secured. Well, I don't know about you guys. I'm really excited for 2022 with all these world records we're going to see. This is going to be fantastic. I can't wait. Well, that is one thing with the super shoes. They make the world records a little bit easier. We bitch about all the world records. But when the track ones go down, it, it still means something. Well, kind of. But yeah, these road 5K records, sorry. They were set last week and I couldn't tell you who did them. Also, I think a lot of people, like, you know, if you look at the world records, there are so many of them that are dubious between El Garouge, between Flojo in the 100, Krotoch Filova in the 800, that I think people wouldn't mind that even if they've got a little extra assistance, we know about the assistance and it's legal under the rules. It's the shoes. So if you get a thing, Mo breaking that 800 record or, you know, Thompson hurrah breaking the hundred record or Inga breaks the cherry breaking the 1500, I think people will be like, okay, well, at least we know that, you know, the shoes played a role, but it's a legal performance benefit. I think people would like to see those names sort of be erased from the books. Thing Mo breaking the 800 record. I thought about saying that just to be a little bit outrageous, but I mean, who would have thought she went from 201 to 155 in a year? If she keeps any progress going, she actually gets the record. I mean, it's Robert's, Robert's favorite phrase you keep improving, eventually you'll break the world record. She's already at 155. Oh, world record was 153, too. So she's only 19 years old. Well, it's going to be an amazing 2022. Can't wait to cover it for everybody. It's going to be also a fun USA Cross Country Championships this weekend. We will break it down in greater detail on the Friday 15th. Until then, signing off. It's a new year. You got to start it out right, people. Make sure you're fueling the proper way. Get electrolytes without the junk. No sugar. You got to try it today. Drink LMNT. Drink Element. You get a sample pack, free sample pack. You pay $5 shipping. If you don't like this stuff, I will refund your money. I personally love it. Hundreds of Let's Runners love it. They've tried it out. No one has taken the refund offer. 
Try it out today. DrinkLMNT.com slash let's run. Take your running to the next level in 2022 with Element. And professional track is almost back in the biggest ways possible. The Milrose Games are a little more than three weeks away. January 29th, 2022. And these could be the greatest Milrose Games ever in 114 years. Okay, maybe that's a little hyperbole, but you decide for yourself. Shot put. Ryan Krauser versus Joe Kovacs. Women's 800. Afeng Mo. The U.S. sensation. The superstar. Olympic gold medalist versus Ajay Wilson, who hasn't lost at the Armory since 2013. How about the return of Christian Coleman in the 60 meters, taking on Trayvon Brumell? And track talk, listeners, it may not be any better than the men's 3,000 meters for all of you. Cole Hawker headlines, you got five Olympians, eight NCAA champions, King Chaz, Drew Hunter, Connor Mance, Yuri Goose. oh wait, Cooper Tier, like fifth billing, Joe Klecker, Luis Grijalva, Jordy Beamish, Eric Jenkins. Wow. Get your tickets now. Don't miss out. Students can get in the door for 30 bucks. Tickets go from there. How about $185 homestretch tailgate tickets? Four hours of wine, food, beer, and the world's greatest track and field action. Link in the show notes or go to milrosegames.org.